0: Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese.
1: Can you imagine getting up every day and going to a job or a business that you don't like and you're uncontent with? welcome to episode number 79 today I'm talking to Lori Thirialt. she's a career counselor and CEO of Work It Careers she helps people even children as young as 10 years old find the right career that they are going to be content with she dives deep with her clients figuring out their personality their interests, and even how long downtime they need so they can recharge and relax. In this conversation, we're going to find out how she works with the people, mostly kids, on finding that career alignment. We're going to find out what the difference is between an entrepreneur and a solopreneur. And why do so many people try to start a business but end up shutting it down. We'll even dive into my career choices and see what we come up with. So sit down, relax, and take in this recording. Lori, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So, how important is it that someone has either a job? Career or business that really resonates with them that really agrees with them that they really love in order to have inner peace in their life
0: mm. you know that is that's such a great question mm. uh, you know I spent many many years watching people arrive into jobs that they thought were professions, their ideal professions when in reality they never liked it to begin with. They just kept growing their resume job after job with the same, the same discomfort that they felt, you know, when they were um, out of college or, or out of high school.
1: Mm-hmm. This, can really, this can really bring a lot of stress to someone's life, right?
0: Yeah. And, and how people deal with that stress is a lot based on, uh, on your personality and, you know, once you understand who you are and what strengths you are naturally born with um, mm. and grow those strengths, you tend not to attract that that stress that you know eighty percent of the world has today um, because they're just not aligned properly mm. they're you know they 're brainwashed um, as many of us have been in our lives where People want to change us to be more like them. A lot of bosses out there trying to change their employees to work on those weaknesses. Well, what are weaknesses? Just because I'm not like you doesn't mean I'm weak. Uh, So I think, you know, trying to squash that old mentality that people need to swing the pendulum completely in the other direction to be more respected in the workplace in life uh, that that's caused a lot of illness. I've seen it. Mm. Yeah. You know, if you're in a job where you're not using your natural gifts and after five, 10, 15 years, I, I, you know, I kind of compare it to an elastic band. Eventually that elastic band stretches so much it breaks.
1: Mm. And so you're helping people. You're, you're, going in depth to their personality and you're saying this is the path that you should take because we we have to make money unless we go to a monastery or an ashram and we say I'm walking that path society is set up in a way that we have to make money to pay bills so we, we got to go bring home the the money so yeah.
0: So I don't I don't tell people what to become. What I do is I work with them first of all from a personality standpoint. So I, I really spend the first hour of my two hour session um, really deep diving on the natural gifts that God gave them hmm. um, and really talking about how we're going to incorporate those natural gifts in a career path. So whether I'm working with a 10 year old a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 45-year-old, or a 70-year-old. And those are the ages I work with them all. Um, I take those natural gifts and and start a seven-step plan where step number one is where you are today. Um, I am a, a futurist. I am someone who talks very little about past. I, I take people to their future. So when you come to see me, it's to talk about... Um, it's to, it's to talk and plan about your future because mm. um, you can't change anything from the past. It's, mm. it's impossible. So why, why waste our energy? Um, so I just need a little bit of information from your past to be able to get that step one aligned properly. Uh, so that's how I operate. I am able to not let them go down the rabbit hole of the past um, to where I have to pull them out. And I talk about how bright that future is going to be. And, and I can see it. It's just many people can't. Um, and to, you know, to go back to me saying, that I don't tell you what to become when you grow up. I pull that out of you. Mm-hmm. So it starts with the personality strengths. And then from there, I ask open-ended questions that leads to a clue a clue of what you want to further your education on and what you uh, want to actually apply for as your next stepping stone in career.
1: And, and, and this would be best for someone to do younger, right? An 11-year-old versus, say, a 17-year-old senior in high school. Because when the guidance counselor calls the First of all, I I don't know if anyone's more stressed out in the world than an American teenager in high school. That's a tough, that's a tough gig.
2: Right, you're (laughs) right.
1: So, I mean, a a pimple can ruin their life, right? (laughs) So when that guidance counselor calls you in at like 15, 16 years old and says, all right, what do you want to do with your life? That's a (laughs) lot of pressure. But if they were working with you, they might got it right away. Get it right away.
0: Yeah, you're bringing up an interesting point. You know, guidance counselors today, and and I think it's, it, it, unfortunately, they, they get picked on um, mainly because they don't have enough hours in the day to be able to help uh, students that are not college bound um, find their way. Uh, Based on my experiences, you know, in the last five years of, of doing this full-time and working with students, high school students, a lot of them, the feedback that I get from the support from, from high school um, is more about asking them what college they would like to go to. They don't really do a deep dive as to what their passions are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I had a student a couple years ago. And she really, really wanted to go to a certain university. And when she created her seven-step plan with me, uh, it was maybe a week before school was going to start her senior year. So excited. And she goes to the guidance counselor to ask for an application for that university. And the guidance counselor immediately took her, touched her arm and said, oh, sweetie, there's no way you're going to get into that university. Now, Mm. this girl was third in her class. Why would a guidance counselor say such a thing? Mm. So fast forward um, a couple more months after that, she ended up getting a massive uh, scholarship, and uh, she went to the university of her choice. But it was amazing how a professional's opinion because it was just an opinion there was no fact to it mm. could have burst the bubble of another student now this student was very mm. strong very confident because the only the only thing I sell Kevin is confidence mm. so once you have your seven steps you're confident in where you're going um, so this girl had her confidence she came home mentioned it to her mother and at that point um, you know really got the reinforced support to be able to continue her, her, her journey. Uh, you know, it's, it's important to understand that, uh, no one is in control of your life, but you, Mm. and that inner peace that, that you have knowing that the journey ahead is totally aligned to who you are.
2: Mm.
0: That's something that brings a, a lot of peace and, and f- lifetime contentment. It's, it's really about uh, attracting what it is that benefits you. Um, and there's no talk of weaknesses because in my world, there's no such thing. It's you're born with certain strengths that are going to contribute to the world in some fashion. Hmm. Uh, and the other people that are born with different strengths are going to contribute in a different way in their own way. So, you know, I have 2000 students so far, not a single repeat, uh, career path, not a single repeat. Mm.
2: Th- I and mean,
0: people are saying, you know, jobs are going away certain jobs because of technology. I'll tell you, I have uncovered so many different job paths that I would never have known about these people are educating me uh, mm. because they see a problem in the world that they want to be part of the solution. And they, you know, zone into a particular, a particular niche. You know, I had one student in environmental engineering. Well, environmental engineering is, is so broad. What part of the environment are you most attracted to? So, you know, some will say soil, some will say air, mm. And, and then one person is saying sustainability. Uh, so, I mean, it's one person wants law as far as environment. The other one wants hands-on. Mm. It's, there's so many jobs within sectors that can be um, introduced to kids. And, most, and, and 90% of the time, these kids have already done their research before they come see me. They just have tucked it away mm. years ago you know, if, if a 10 year old is coming to me, it's obviously something that's a recent study, but if a 16 year old is to come to me and, and like you just mentioned, they're the group that totally needs this. Mm. They need some sort of direction right now. It's, it's crazy. You get the extroverted kids that are homeschooled or uh, virtual learning. It's painful, mm. it's very painful for them. So mm. to, to be able to have light at the end of the tunnel, uh, and knowing what's, what's beyond high school is so, um, it, it allows them to exhale.
1: <laughs> Using myself as an example, going back 25, 26 years, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I
1: knew I wanted to be in broadcasting mm-hmm. from a young age. I was always on a, a, a darn microphone and, and doing all sorts of things with my friends. And so... I didn't know what part of broadcasting. I didn't know if I wanted to, be, you know, be a sports announcer or a, a DJ. I, I didn't. I didn't know that, but I knew what field. So I ended up at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting at, you know, 16 years old, the summer before my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and you know that changed the direction of my life. So I guess that 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 was you, so to speak. Some, something coming in and molding a young, young man's direction. So, you know, by the time I got to my guidance counselor's office, I'm like, wow, so I'm be on radio and TV. What do you mean? This is what I'm doing. And they're like, all right, hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> you should go to college just in case. Said, that, that's a crazy field. And he was right. So I ended up in college, got on the college radio station, Immediately they put me on the radio immediately because I had the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, right? Sure. And then I spent four years doing a radio and TV show and you know, cutting my teeth, so to speak. And then when I got out, 21 years old, I was hired at Hot 937 WZMX, and boom, local public figure, just just like that, 21 years old. Making no money. <laughs>
0: loving what you're
1: doing though. <laughs> Lo- well, loving the attention. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about that how you find the person's personality, you find the young per the young man or woman's personality and then adjust to that. So I I I take what you're saying and I look back and I say, yeah, my personality was someone that wanted the microphone, mm-hmm. wanted the attention, you know,
0: even before 16.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Even
0: 15. And, and so, I made it happen. Yeah. So it, let's say that you came to me at age 10 or 11.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I would have said, I would introduce Kevin to himself. Cause that's what I do is I actually, I actually become their mirror mm-hmm. and I actually become them. So after a 15 minute personality test that I've used over 30 years to build strong teams in manufacturing, where I come from, I've taken this test and I'm able to quickly, um, get a plotting of of the person and from there without any studying i'm able to become kevin so mm-hmm. i would introduce kevin in a similar fashion so not not having given you the test i would say kevin the 11 year old kevin mm-hmm. i would say kevin i want to introduce you to you you are a man who is destined to use his voice as a tool to educate your audience.
1: Mm. That's how
0: I would introduce you at 11 years old. Now, what does that mean to an 11 year old? So we would break it down into more of an 11 year old, uh, uh, definition. And that would be Kevin, your voice is your gift. Whether Mm. you advocate for things that are important to you, you use your voice for those that don't have one, you will do great things with your voice. Mm. Now, the other part of the test is how much education and what form of education does this 11-year-old Kevin require? Now, we know that. You've gone as far as PhD. We know that. Mm -hmm. Now, that
1: was way way later, though.
0: That was way later. But at 11 years old, I would have been able to tell on the testing whether or not you craved that um, fact-based learning style. Mm. And crave the university uh type uh, type learning um programs so the scoring that i use is it starts at zero and it goes to 48 48 is the highest 48 on the on the the last number is typically uh people that want lifelong learning so you love continuing that learning of the subject that you're born to study forever. So I would be able to tell a parent, Kevin's parents, that, hey, you better be prepared because this child craves education Mm -hmm. and it's traditional education that he craves. So his learning style is more fact-based, which tends to be uh, the traditional university setting. Then there's people that score only about 30 to 35, 36. Those are the kids that um, want to create something with their hands. Uh, they want to, uh, be able to DIY, you know, they don't need to hire anybody for that. They can do it themselves. Definitely. Maybe an 18 month certification program to become, um, you know, licensed and all that stuff. So I would be able to tell at 11 years old, what zone of education. Now there's my, my type of personality, which is not PhD. And, um, it's, experiential. So I'm a visionary and I was born to actually create something that's never been created before in the world. And being that pioneer is is something that only about 10% of the world actually scores this way. We're sitting in a classroom. The only reason, Kevin, that I actually was okay going to school in a traditional setting was because it gave me a stage. Mm -hmm. I liked being with people. So that's the only way. But now if I was a quiet introverted visionary, I would have probably dropped out of school because it wasn't my best way of learning. I could do it, but I was, I was forcing myself. I was stretching. Um, My best way of learning is actually uh, through field trips through watching others, through doing, making the error, never doing it again. And with 30 years of me doing that in my lifetime, it, it affords me to be an expert in certain areas because I've lived the experience. Mm. Um, whereas other people are more about you are classified as an expert. If you got your PhD, um, because you studied by book, um, you may have less real life experience, but the combination of the two are, you know, that's, that's the best. Mm. Um, but you know, it's just three different types of learning styles and some are on the the edge where they can combine. Um, that doesn't, doesn't mean like a personality like mine wouldn't, you know, sign up for university life and do okay. I'd probably do okay. As long as it wasn't virtual learning because mm. virtual learning I think would kill me. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I ended up switching careers at, you know, 33 years old. Uh-huh. And then going to get the PhD and all that. Um, yeah. So I I could have used you at like 32.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of college students right now that I've I'm working with that already received their four-year degree and and they're they're not able to really solidify the path that they wanted or want, but they got the degree and they just are stumped. So, you know, in two hours, it's all it takes for me to work with somebody um, and get them a, a seven step plan. It, it, no, no session has lasted more than two hours and 10 minutes. And that would be like the hardest one. Um, you know, no matter what
1: age. Let's talk about the other side of that coin. Yeah. Running your own business, being an entrepreneur. This is another mm-hmm. ball game. And I've been an entrepreneur basically for 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It takes a different type of cat to do it. it I like to tell, you know, I don't, I don't mean to like, you know, crap on people's dreams, but I tell people like, not everyone can run a business. Like it takes a certain obsessive type of Detail orientation mm-hmm. to do it, and so I was wondering, how do you test the ability of someone uh, to run a business I
0: think that's my my favorite topic um, you know i'm an entrepreneur through and through at ten years old, I begged my parents for twenty five dollars so that I could have my own sixty customer paper out mm. it, like it was going to be the biggest biggest thing of my life. And in fact, looking back, it was like the best job ever. Um, you know, being able to service people, uh, being able to look forward to something after school uh, and and make money at the same time. So, you know, testing the entrepreneurs is very easy for me. About 10% of my students, and I've had over 2000 so far, have um, tested as entrepreneurial. Now, not to be confused with solopreneur, because mm. they're two different animals, Kevin. They are they're solopreneurs are more individuals that hire subcontractors versus employees. Uh, they tend to control everything about their business from start to finish because they don't trust as easily as an entrepreneur Hmm. so so a solopreneur is in it to make a lot of money not necessarily to pass it on to their family it's more about making the business at a certain level and then being able to sell it and and say that they ran that for their profession but an entrepreneur has a mindset which is about uh family it's about bringing and mentoring and training and promoting and making sure that that business withstands the test of time.
1: Like a family pizza shop or something like that, that gets passed down to the kids.
0: Yes. That's more entrepreneurial because they have the patience to train the kids. Um, I'm thinking, you know, larger companies where you have to hire 25 people And, you know, in today's world, you talked about the stress. I mean, when you've got a solopreneur mindset and you're in an entrepreneurial setting, that solopreneur, you need to worry about that person's mental health because they lose their patience a lot. Mm -hmm. They're the ones complaining that they can't find any good hires. All kids are lazy. Um, They're the ones complaining all the time. That's a solopreneur. An entrepreneur will always find a array of hope and they will never put down their employees. Huh. So there's your that's your cue as to um you know the stress level. Entrepreneurs, true entrepreneurs don't get stressed by people because they love people. They have hope for humanity.
1: Yeah, it sounds like the entrepreneur from from your explanation is a little bit more um, trusting.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And the solopreneur is not so much.
0: Right. They will, they will usually only have one or two main employees that they have tested, uh, very well. Subcontractors are, are much, it's, they're much easier for them to manage because they can fire them. They could, they could, they don't have to go through all the loopholes. Um, as, as having your own employee because there's you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of laws that they have to follow. And solopreneurs tend not to want all that red tape. Um, they just want to run their business and make money, go home. Whereas entrepreneurs extend it into longer days, longer hours because they're very humanitarian entrepreneurs they're, they're volunteer. They, they might have fundraisers with their employees, you know, they really give to the community. Um, and, and the society that we live in today doesn't really separate the solopreneurs from the entrepreneurs. It it lumps them all together. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, that I'm trying to educate these students that come to me, uh, to make sure that they understand what solopreneur means as they score in that area.
1: Now, I've heard you say that about 80% of business owners end up closing shop before their first year is even done. They do. I mean, this is an overwhelming thing. It's so different than going to work for someone and collecting a check. Mm-hmm. Why are so many people clo- trying to be business owners and then shutting down?
0: A lot of people will, um, they tend to glamorize. When they're working for somebody else, they are, they can be very critical of the management style of their current employer. And they feel that they could do better on their own because look how much money this guy's pulling in. He's only giving me this much per hour. He's making lots of money. They're, they're usually not seeing all the stuff behind the scenes after hours, the stress of, of being your own business owner, right? Yeah and they're not seeing that part they're just seeing the car that the person's driving this is
1: this is michael jordan syndrome
0: yeah like
1: oh that looks easy i can i can ball like that
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly so so it's it's actually healthy for them to go take a dip in into that world and and get a better respect for for a business owner um you know it's 80% approximately 80% of first year businesses will go under because first of all, a lot of them are solopreneurs and they realize that they need people to make their business successful. Mm -hmm. And they, at that point, they have zero tolerance for people. There's so many solopreneurs who can't, who can't stand, you know, having to babysit, they call it babysitting, babysit their employees. So if that's another sign that, that you're dealing with a solopreneur versus an entrepreneur if they constantly are complaining about babysitting mm. or my employees act like five-year-olds that's another sign
1: wow i, I never broke the two down so
0: yeah oh. it's it's important that because when when a lot of a lot of colleges offer entrepreneurial training right we've seen those classes mm. it's you're stretching the solopreneurs you're stretching the solopreneurs in that class because a lot of it is how to manage people. And um, that's not something that they they are naturally good at. They're not motivators. They want to get the job done so they can get paid. That's really
1: what their purpose is. Would a solopreneur be like uh, somebody that starts a, their own plumbing company maybe and they They just they do all the work themselves for the most part. Maybe they have one secretary and exactly.
0: Yep, a solopreneur would be that. Accountant would be another solopreneur. Mm. Um, Another example might be a landlord. Um, Another example would be a laundromat owner, car washer. uh, You know where they don't really have to interact with a lot of people. Right. You know if it's. And, and if they need a plumber to fix their apartment building, they're calling as a as a subcontractor. It's not their employee, right? You know,
1: they mess so, up, they can yell at them.
0: Exactly, without getting in trouble. Yep, <laughs> and without losing a good a good employee, because we know that entrepreneurs need to be very emotionally intelligent in order to keep their staff happy. Mm. And typically, solopreneurs have a high IQ. Um, They're delivering something consulting services, uh, something of expertise. So therefore, they're not going to be criticized so much because they're the experts. Uh, So tend to be the experts in their field of which, you know, if you don't want my service, that's fine. Somebody else will. Um, they tend, solopreneurs also tend to establish or take over a business that's needed. They don't take the risk of creating something that has never been heard of before. So, you know, my company is a company that is going to help your 10 year old figure out what they're going to be when they grow up. Well, that's, that's, let me tell you something, Kevin, five years ago, people looked at me like I had five heads Hmm. and they said, you don't need to be talking to my kid about, jobs and work at 10 years old they want to be playing soccer so so that was you know five years ago that was the response that I was getting so you know working with seniors in high school was more popular or college students that were lost and then gravitating back down to middle school now I mean five years later people get it but I had to wait patiently until the world woke up
1: What about someone that builds out and has multiple streams of income? Mm -hmm. Someone that has three, four, five businesses.
0: Yeah. Well, a traditional entrepreneur could have up to nine funnels of income. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's always a good thing not to have all your eggs in one basket, right? But you have to have the, you know, going back to your original question of how does how does one identify an entrepreneur and how do you keep yourself balanced uh, to be able to go past that first year, go past that second year? Cause it, it doesn't get any easier past the first year. You, you gotta step up your game. Um, and, you know, it's managing multiple businesses as a solopreneur is a common thing. So they may own multiple Apartment units, they may own multiple you know businesses that don't require a lot of employees, um, and that's okay for solopreneurs because again, they're in it for the money. Entrepreneurs are in it for the money, but they're also in it for uh, helping humans succeed. Uh, that's almost like getting paid a million dollars to an entrepreneur that you've helped an employee move forward in their life, taking somebody off the streets. I mean, it's, it's amazing that feeling of, it's not money driven. It's, it's more emotion driven,
2: Hmm.
0: you know, and, and if you're emotionally driven, you're going to maybe not have as much money to be able to invest into that next, you know, second or third funnel of income, at least in the beginning, because you're, you're doing more of a, A humanitarian, not volunteering, but um, you're definitely more generous than a solopreneur financially.
1: Here's a big term, time freedom. Mm -hmm. How about choosing a career or business that creates some time freedom? Is that something that, to me, that's something in my older age, now that I'm entering, you know, now that I'm in my 40s, That's something that's very appealing to me. Maybe not 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was like, go, 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 achieve, 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 achieve. And now it's like, I just want to sit in my chair and look at the wall. So, you know, how can I do that and still make money?
0: So in the testing that I, that I use, I actually can see the percentage of um, you time that you need. Um, So for me, I score to where I need 90% of my day needs to be filled with people energy and communication verbally and stage time. If I don't get that, I'm actually drained. Mm. <laughs> really drain. So that's a, you know that student that's studying from home, they're drained. For you, you may need less people time than I do face to face. And you may want, you know, let's say 30% of your day, week to be uh, planned for downtime, uh, vacations. Um, not really talking about about your product or your service. For me, I only need about ten percent of that downtime. So I'm like, I'm almost like constantly talking about about what I offer as a service. So I can tell from the testing how much downtime. So for you to say that. You just require a little less people energy than I would do. Mm. And we make that as part of your seven step plan to actually uh, put that and incorporate that. What does that downtime look like, Kevin? I would actually pull that out of your brain and, and start to talk about how do you recharge? Because all you're saying to me right now is that you are in need of a periodic recharge. Mm -hmm. And if you can incorporate that recharge daily, what would that look like? Is it pet energy? Is it nature? Is it, you know, is it the ocean? What does that look like to recharge Kevin so that he's raring to go the next day?
1: Just a chair.
0: Just a chair? Just a chair. (laughs) A recliner?
1: (laughs) No. No, back straight. Just a regular chair. Yeah okay yeah meditation yeah
0: that's awesome Mm -hmm. so so we would incorporate that in your seven steps so because the seven steps are meant to repeat as necessary repeat as necessary it's not meant to actually go in order it's actually meant to just make sure that we record um the things that are important to you to get to your legacy
1: Mm. legacy it's a big word
0: it's a big word
1: what do you what What do you mean by legacy and getting to the legacy?
0: Yeah, so we as I mentioned earlier, that first step is is key once we once we can get you rolling on creating that first step, the rest of it goes pretty quickly. But step number seven is your legacy. I want to be remembered for." That is what I make them write on the on the board, and it starts off with "I want to be remembered for," then I have them sit across from me. And we talk about what we wrote through one through six. And sometimes the legacy spins off of that. And then sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. And it's amazing because they go deep into their heart. They go deep into their heart and they just sit there straight back, right? In the chair. Hmm. And now all of a sudden it's, what do I want to be remembered for? And I want them to live their legacy, you know, within a year or two of them leaving my office, I don't want them to wait till age 70 to live a legacy. I want you to live your legacy as soon as possible. So what does that legacy look like? You know, it's, it's you know, for example, one woman who raised her children. Now she's you know ready to, to get back out there into the work world. Um, what does that dream job look like for her? It, it's a fitness coach, but her legacy goes deep her legacy is to create movement in children that is going to prevent childhood diabetes. So Mm. that's her legacy. It goes deep with a purpose. It's not just, you know, walking every day. It's, there's a prevention piece to it and she'll spend the rest of her life really promoting and teaching uh, to young students so that they're not, um, you know, that they're not hurting their health at a young Mm. age.
1: Let's talk about ego. That's something that comes up a lot on this podcast, something we explore a lot. You know, the, the ego does develop in young people. I, my observation is around 13. It mm-hmm. really formulates. I mean, it starts seven, you know, it starts at two years old. I mean, terrible twos. But it starts to really formulate around 12, 13 years old. And so using myself as an example, again, I was playing around with microphones and all that. So I knew that I wanted to, you know, be a broadcaster or a, a, a on-air personality. Mm-hmm. You said just however many minutes ago that my purpose would have been to use my voice to educate and help people. But I didn't do that. I ended up... On an FM radio station acting like an idiot for 16 years, <laughs> doing, you know, crazy bits and making fun of people. And it took a lot of time for my evolution to come back around to 40 year old Kevin talking about inner peace and ego and having a PhD and that type of stuff. It took a long time because even you know, our mutual friend Karen Raymond. Mm-hmm pointed that out to me on this podcast she's like you're on a microphone right now <laughs> I'm like uh, oh, you're right I am yeah and so she's like that's the same microphone you were on 25 years ago except you're doing it differently yes so that's where we're talking ego kind of here because my ego at a young age was to be a performer mm-hmm. now it's to be an educator or a relaxing medium for people. So there's ego involved with these, these kids, right? So how do you harness that?
0: From, from a kid's standpoint. So let's take, um, I just want to provide a little piece of education the way, um, the way it was explained to me one time. So a baby's brain is, fully formed to size at nine months old after nine months. So between nine months and five years old, imagine all these wires being connected and intertwined because they're taking it all in. They, they're learning the vocabulary. They're learning math. and touch things, math. They're actually going and touching nature. They're really taking it all in. So what happens at five years old? Well, They enter kindergarten and at kindergarten, they start to disconnect some of those wires naturally, the stuff that they don't want to continue learning. It's not their purpose. So here's the heart. Here's all these wires slowly being disconnected between ages five and nine. Well, now we're talking ego, right? It's not really ego. It's this, they've identified their strengths. At that point because what's left connected at age nine is really where they want to grow so they start to fight back they start to fight back with their authority with their parents with their grandparents and they're saying that they have no interest in that
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that again that's the wires that have been disconnected so scientifically, it's proven between the ages of nine and 12, what you're destined to do in life is there. It's just, you got to capture it. Now, trauma can happen with young children. Trauma can happen with teenage trauma can interrupt that, that wire transmission. So what I do is I, I work with them to kind of chisel and reconnect um, to that inner child to be able to, you know, uncover, rediscover what their passion was, um, at age nine. So I do take them that I said, I don't really go in the past, but I do take them to about age nine, 10, 11, just so I can kind of see what they were doing, what they were gravitating towards. You would have said, I like touching a microphone. Um, you know what I mean? So it's, it's that. So the ego part, you know, in the testing that I do, the ego lives in your strengths. So if you're somebody who loves the stage and loves to use your voice, Um, I can see that if somebody puts you in a corner, because let's say one of your parents was more stage worthy than you, or or because they were older, they took it and they stole your stage, you would start to rebel eventually. Um, so that's where people complain about their teenager, because at that point they're trying to show where their strengths are, but it, it sometimes it's shown as disrespect. And, and it's not to be confused. So a lot of times, um, Kevin, parents will sit in on the session with their child with me. So they actually learn about their child um, in that two hours, and they learn more about them, and they, they're able to support them better. So it's it's definitely a, a beautiful experience if the parent sits in and, and watches it unfold. Mm. Uh, but at a 13-year-old level, they're just really trying to use the gifts that, that God gave them, and that could be being introverted, extroverted, a director or a soldier or a, a future PhD, um, a planner versus somebody who responds urgently to, to cleaning their room. You know, we talk about who needs lists, who, do, who needs deadlines, who doesn't need deadlines, who needs the stage, who doesn't need the stage, who is confused. Uh, I mean, a lot of parents will say, Is my child depressed? I can tell from the score if they're depressed or not. They're, they're definitely, there's introverted children that that want to be in their room to recharge after a day of being in school with a lot of students. They need that downtime at the end of the day. I recommend pets for certain kids um, because that actually recharges them.
1: By the way, just you made me think of something. My mom told me that I was like that as a kid. I would come well, home from school and I'd... I'd I had to go to my room or watch cartoons. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything.
0: I think, you know, if I was to, to give you the percentage, I think you are a, a a 70, 30, um, individual, which meant that in school you were probably the class clown. Um, you know, so 70, 70% of your day was already consumed in the school setting to where you were, you know, being that witty, witty person. And, making people laugh.
1: I was born July 30th, by the way, you just said 7:30. Oh,
0: oh, see, <laughs> so I, I think you've are, you know, you already consumed your gas and your gas tank by the time you got home from school. So that you right. needed to recharge. So give you a few hours and then you'll be able to answer questions about how was your day, son. Um, right, right, right. You know, needed that, that recharge moment. Uh, and watching the cartoons and the and the voices, right? The voices of, of animation. I think the
1: Smurfs, he man. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah it, it actually, um, it refilled you. You know, that's what recharges you. Is the voice? It's the voice. It's not. It's not so much singing and dancing on stage. It was more about the voice, and being able to uh, be inspired by the different tones.
1: Mm. Now, I'm still like that. I like to decompress. And. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: seventy
1: thirty,
0: July 30th, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I see you. I totally see you that way where, you know, you, you've got a, a point at the, depending on where you use your voice in the beginning of your day or the end of the day. Um, but in school, it was definitely you were using it throughout the day and that's why you needed a little downtime at the end.
1: Cool. I'm learning about myself, my old self here while we're chatting. Yeah. Yep still talking about the ego, do you ever talk about, you know, people catching their ego before it impacts others? Because you you did mention, like, mm-hmm. temper tantrums or, yeah. you know, depression and things like this. A lot of that does come from ego.
0: Absolutely. You know, you're, within your strengths lies your ego. And what I do is I give examples of when that ego could be triggered. Um, you know, if if you're somebody who, who is a natural born director, and director is like the extreme, that that 48, I call it the, the highest score. Those are people that are not gonna take, they're not gonna take a th- uh, demands from from authority. And when you're 10 years old-
1: They're you, alphas.
0: Yeah, and when you're 10 years old and your parents are also also alphas, it can be a power struggle within the home. Right. So so when you have a when you have a child that doesn't need any more guidance beyond the age of nine or 10, you definitely are in for a ride through middle school and high school with that child. So so that's an ego point. So I talk about that, you know, as a 10 or 11 year old and then the parent in the room with me. So I actually give examples of 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 how the 10 or 11 year old can handle um, being directed by an adult, a teacher, uh, what have you. So I actually give advice to parents to allow that child to have a project periodically that they're in charge of, uh, that's important for them. To be in charge of something, allow them to be in charge of something, to direct people, to direct a project, household, whatever it is, be in charge of paying the bills once a month. (laughs) You know, it's something to be. I
1: I used to organize the pantry. Uh huh. The junk drawer used to drive me nuts. (laughs) And my parents weren't super organized, but I was. And I don't know why, but.
0: Yeah. So, so being able to do projects that come naturally for you to use your natural skills to it is, is amazing. And then for people that, that need uh, to use their voice and with people. So I'm naturally a salesperson. So, you know, being able to go and talk and, and motivate and, uh, and sell somebody on an idea. Um, I don't usually give up that easily on that, the face to face. So, um, <clears throat> Let's see where else the ego might live. Um, Another area of ego for parents, especially, you know, wanting your child to clean their room now, do it now. I told you yesterday, I told you 10 times today, why is it not done? So we talk about how urgent the child is and we talk about what will motivate them to to, to get it done and, and not disappoint. So it's, it could be as simple as making a list with check boxes and, and allowing them to put the check mark in the check boxes. It's simple stuff like that. Then there's some children that are more urgent than the parents. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a recipe that's always changing with different families. Uh, you know, you get some kids that are more mature than the parents more driven than the parents, I get a bunch of those, mm. and, and then you 've got some fathers that want to control their kids, and they don 't want them to grow at all and my kid doesn 't need this, and i 'm going to tell them where they 're going to school, and you know that 's something that I ask, I act as a mediator um, on that situation, and I help calm the the parents that let their egos dictate the future of their child. Mm. So, so I do, and I've had a lot of success with mediating and being able to be the voice of the child who has been squashed.
1: I remember the first time I met you, you had just come out of a session with this young man who's like, I'm going to be a weatherman, I believe.
0: Uh, he's still going to be a weatherman. He is a senior in high school today. And the school actually brought in a meteorology program for his senior year. So he is going to be taking it in January. Wow. So he's excited. He's excited that the principal went so far to push for such a program to exist in his school.
1: I could have been a meteorologist because uh, the on-air aspect, being on yeah. a microphone, combined with the sort of nerdy wanting to know the details of the environment and the weather and the ions and the clouds and that's mm-hmm. cool stuff.
0: Can you get up at two o'clock in the morning?
1: Are you I good? Don't, about- I don't know about that.
0: Because that's what time they need to get up.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: They got to be on air by four and they need to create their graphics between three and four. And it's, it's a crazy lifestyle.
1: <laughs> they also have to move a lot too. If, Cause if there's no openings in Hartford, then they got to go to San yeah. Diego or wherever.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yep.
1: It's gotta- broadcasting.
0: It is. It really is. You know, obviously I love what I do. Um, you know, I've taken it to a new level once I left manufacturing and working for myself, like you mentioned earlier, you know, working for yourself is, is great, but you have to have the endurance to be able to survive while people get to know who you are and what you do and build your reputation. And
1: I compare it to, and it's probably not the best comparison because I don't have any children, but I compare it to having a child. It's, it's that all encompassing right where it's just so many details and if you have a child based on what i hear <laughs> <laughs> it's all encompassing and it's details 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 until they're you know off to college if that's the route they go it's it's just constant constant details
0: yeah yeah it's it's definitely You know, for me, for my business, it's definitely not for everybody because it requires seven days a week and it requires, um, uh, you know, for parents, their downtime to talk to me is, is before kids get up or once they left for school or once they're in bed so so it's a lot of communication before hours after hours traditional hours and then weekends is when they're available and sports get in the way typically um you know there's a lot of me accommodating their schedules um to get a career plan done for their child which it's not the number one priority just yet in the mindset, but eventually it will. Again, that's the visionary in me waiting for the world to catch up that, you know, setting a career plan, two hours of your life. just want to remind you it's only two hours of your life and you're done. And you're good, but um, they don't, you know, they don't just 100% see it yet.
1: I think what you're doing is very valuable because if somebody gets into the wrong career or the wrong job or the wrong business, they're going to be miserable. And Uh that's not the life you want to live. You don't want to get up in the morning and go to a job that just absolutely, you just so hate and dislike. That's not where you want to be, right?
0: No. And that two hours spent as a middle schooler, high schooler, could save your people's lives. There's, there's, you're taking people's peace, opportunity for a peaceful life away by not investing in a career plan for your child. Make it as important as getting their drivers, um, you know, training, right. the driver's ed. Yeah, the driver's ed seems to be at the tips of parents' tongues, right? Oh, did your child do the driver's ed? You know, and eventually it will be, did they do their career plan before they took their driver's ed? Because you need to really find your purpose before you get behind the wheel. Because if you don't know where you're going, why are you driving around?
1: Mm. Well said. Mm-hmm. Lori, where can somebody come find you, see what you're doing, and say hello?
0: Thank you. Um workitcareers.com. That's the website. And I am available uh, nationwide, virtually, as well as uh, in person in Connecticut.
1: All right, Lori, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Hmm. At this time, I'd like to invite you to the exclusive Patreon page. Help support this podcast by becoming a patron, a member I'll give you all sorts of bonus material, and in return, you help us keep this microphone on. You can simply hit the link in the description of this podcast and explore the meditations, the anxiety relief tea that I have for you, and the Patreon page, and see what moves you, see what resonates with you. We're coming up on episode 80. The next episode is going to be about the three types of love. So send this podcast to someone that needs to hear it. And I'll talk to you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.